straight out. So. We have our stenographer over in the corner who's handling things. How you doing? Carol. Uh, Carol. Carol's a very Carol, stenographer Jeremy. name. <laughs> Carol knows how to stenograph. <laughs> she went to stenographer school. Yeah. Which is a thing, mm-hmm. I think. The stenographer academy. <laughs> Anywho. And welcome back to the Seventh Star to the Right podcast. This is the second metadimensional episode that we're doing. So if people uh, weren't around or listening to the first one, um, what we do on these particular episodes is we um, talk a little bit more about how the campaign is going, uh, maybe answer some questions, but not necessarily uh, advance the story in any meaningful way. This is really just pulling back. <laughs> which is so different from other episodes yeah. in which we definitely <laughs> do advance the story through space yoga and brand placement. We know all about the world. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the rather than um, the DM, Alex, Micah, and Nona, we are just Jeff, Philip, Kirsten, and David right now talking about the podcast and campaign that we have. And we we did a little a little call uh, ahead of time to to see if people actually wanted to send in emails. And what do you know? We actually got a few. Of them. Oh boy! Oh boy! Wow! Um, so I suppose we can just sort of uh, jump right into things, if unless someone has something to say before we before we jump right in. I guess that means no one has any uh, things, so we can just jump right into it. Uh, the, the first one, they they actually um, added uh, one of those uh, like what are they they called like Ask Amy or something like that. Yeah, like were the... you like worried in San Diego or something like that? <laughs> so um, the the first question is, uh, what exactly is the deal with Tony? Like why <laughs> like why do y'all hate him so instantly and so much? <laughs> Minus the potentially creepy steely powers thing. I'll be honest. He seems just like an okay dude to me. And this is from Tentative Tony Lover 37. Okay. Love it. You, you know, TTL, I got a hit to you. You're not wrong. Hey, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your message. I, I definitely so, think that part of the reason you guys immediately hated Tony was partially my fault. I went with a very distinctive personality with him that he had like for a split second that Nona first met him just by herself. Yeah. And he was, you know, edgy anime edge lord boy and went and just went away. I loved that. I didn't actually yeah. dislike that. I always thought it was more because we were a very secretive group and we're like, we're going to go on a mission. And they're like, take Tony with you. And like, like, what if we don't Tony. want to? No, I think, yeah, like the way I saw it was in character, exactly what you said, Kirsten, and then out of character, like I didn't have a problem with it, but all of us kind of wanted to bully you a little bit, like, uh, Sasuke Uchiha. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how that came up. And then we decided to hate Tony. Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with him. Yeah. He's a good sniper, I guess. <laughs> he was there. 
Um, I, I will say I do have a tendency guys. to to give you guys NPCs, and those NPCs tend to be useless <laughs> in fights. No, yeah, Tony, they roll real bad sometimes. Yeah, they yeah. do. Tony and Arcus probably are some of the worst uh, worst examples. Argus did really bad. He missed a lot, and then got, <laughs> he got mind, mind controlled. controlled. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but, fine. He gave us a gun. But yeah, Not I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he did give us a gun. So was it a thing that kind of like started as a joke, or yeah. you just didn't want to deal with this man, and then he just kind of kept inserting himself into your lives? Well, there was oh. definitely that. Like you clearly wanted and have wanted for some time our characters to open up about things, and <laughs> our characters very much do not want that. So to have this rando person come in and be like, hey, what's up with you? Well, I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm a robot. We're trying to hide the fact that we've kidnapped this girl. Like there's a lot of secrets here that we don't want uncovered. And people asking about them make us uncomfortable. And I think it did actually just in a way make it funnier too when you totally did a personality switch on him to keep on <laughs> shitting on him at the same time. I, I, he I, just like became nice. I have noticed there are a couple of NPCs that show up and have this uh, facade in, in front. And then as soon as you like hang around with them more, they, they just immediately drop that facade. Like Dorian Gray had that, mm-hmm. like was trying to be all cool, like hanging out halfway out a window smoking and was like, I know all these things about you. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, that plant doesn't seem all that uh, scary or dangerous. And then pokes <laughs> a stick with it and it melts. And it's like, no, yeah, that, that, that is dangerous, huh? Mm-hmm. They start off Batman and then they end up just being like Wally West, <laughs> the flash. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like, those are the in-universe reasons. My meta reason is, like, NPCs come in two flavors, I find. Like, when you present them to an actual party, and it's, we don't care about them, or we care about them a lot. And you have no idea, as a DM, which is which it's going to be. And then there's subcategories within that, like, uh, within the we care about them a lot. And it's either we care about them a lot because we hate them... <laughs> And we're going to, like, make their life a living hell. And you get that a lot with, like, tavern keepers and people just trying to do their fucking job. Like, the parties love messing with that. And you know what Tony was trying to do his job? And I wasn't falling in love with Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the other option, which is the other way it can go when you care about an NPC. Um, Mm -hmm. So fuck fuck Tony. (laughs) And then obviously him overhearing the the whole prophecy and then inserting your, himself into your guys's... He was just being very nosy <laughs> yeah. the entire like, time. Yeah, and we were very business? much trying to be all secret and mysterious. And he's like, well, I'm going to, you know... Even his power is kind of nosy, right? Like, yeah. he just touches you and, like, steals your shit. And that's, that's not okay. Yeah, yeah he, he also can sort of just ad hoc without even touching you understand like the potential and maybe what flavor of psychic you are just by looking at you vanilla because that's how because that's <laughs> that's what he was talking to nona about right yeah like you have a lot of metadimensional energy in you so you must be some kind of psychic but you're a weird psychic and you're not talking about it so i'm not going to talk about it yes that's the <laughs> thing well that was the other thing and he also really had like that whole thing where he's like hey go to the doctor and i'm like i'm fine and he's like no really go to the doctor like obviously this is coming from a place of like 
I care about you for some reason, random stranger, and I'm going to get all involved in your business. But really, it just made things more inconvenient for me. That's very true. And I really don't want people finding out that I'm a robot. And then he just kind of did anyway, even though I would like to say I did a very good job hiding that (laughs) fact from like everyone we did not talk to about dr samantha calvin we did not ask any weird questions that entire time we were in stealth mode jeff's gonna start having everybody like roll perception when they meet nona for the first time they'll be like are is that a robot <laughs> god fuck shit you just standing with the robot right now? jeff's gonna introduce future metal detectors and that's gonna be a whole thing like I have a spin-off question off of this one. Yeah, what's up? Um, what flavor is everybody's character? Because I'll I'll start. Alex is Rocky Road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty good. I guess I'll, I'll try and do Claire's. Oh, that's tough. I feel like she'd be something like kind of kind of smooth. I don't know. Just doesn't have a whole lot of chunks in it. <laughs> you know? Like something silky. Maybe just like a, a mint ice cream. Just like, yeah. Not just, even chocolate chip. Nope, no, 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 no. Sorry, mint. chocolate chip she is mint. mint. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, I feel like she's a good like chocolate chip mint. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, Micah. Rum raisin. Oh, all right. That's solid. Okay. British. <laughs> <laughs> Nona's just a computer. Like, I was going to say either, like, I, I think Nona might be one of those weird kind of vanillas. You know, everybody mm. likes, like, you know, the French vanilla with the little, or the vanilla bean with the little specks in it. But there's also other vanillas out there that aren't either of those. And you eat them, you're like, this is vanilla. But there's something off about it. And I'm not exactly sure what. And, like, eventually you could come to be like, okay, this is an acceptable vanilla. But mostly it's... It's weird and off-putting for reasons you can't put your finger on. So known as like um, the synthesized vanilla smell that Disneyland will like pump into into places. It's trying real hard to be ordinary, but just something is off. So uh, Tentative Tony Lover actually sent in a couple of other questions. So the next question from them is, how much of your character's backstories did you come up with before starting versus coming up with as you go? Alex has about three or four pages yeah. of, of different experiences um, that I laid out. And it started off at like uh, two-ish pages. And then I would like get to a thing or like I'd make a character choice for Alex. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, he feels that way. Why does he feel that way? And then I'd write down a couple um, more sentences on like what happened that like you know has has influenced them mm-hmm. um in some way yeah. yeah yeah micah's backstory is i think a, a little less extensive than alex's seems to be but i I had down the um kind of pivotal points of kind of where she came from uh laid out before we started um all of the the members of my uh, group that we connected with on Orisiyame mm-hmm. were, were set out ahead of time and sort of, well, tentative relationships with some of them. Um, but yeah, details have definitely been sort of filled in as we've gone as well. Yeah. Nona's was probably the easiest one to write, uh, huh? I mean, I, and I did that on purpose as I like making characters that sort of have these big chunks that can be filled in by the GM, right? Like, 
ah, I'm from this, this one place. I'm looking for this one person. And I've like made suggestions as to other things that could potentially be out there Mm -hmm. or like what Dr. Calvin is like and all of that. But that's like all really in your hands. And what's nice about that is it means that I'm not sitting on any real secrets that the audience doesn't know about right like i'm just like i i forget it was like episode seven or nine i'm like here's my whole shtick yeah and, and then that's, that's it, it. <laughs> that's everything yeah i was about to say for like the first five or six episodes we were like Kirsten, how heavy is Nona? And you're like, I don't know. Slightly heavier than you would expect is what we ended up. When we tried to fly with that stick. Uh, which is the best. not how, just like the first time I tried to use the psychic thing and it was not how it worked. I mean, you know, we figure it yeah. out as we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I guess I can answer a little bit about this as well. Um, like, as I've been writing the the story, I, I definitely take it on like a week by week basis, like where the next sort of what are we going to be doing in this this session or these couple of sessions? Um, but I do have major players that have their own wants. And depending on what you guys do, whether that interferes with their wants or works with their wants, they obtain those goals or they don't obtain those goals. And they're they're interact they're doing stuff in the background if you're not directly interacting with them. And that's what I try and sort of keep up. I don't have like a and now this is going to happen for this this group here. Um, they are definitely going to do this. And no matter what your the steps that you take to maybe mitigate that or stop that, it is going to happen. I don't do that at all. I try and keep everything very amorphous and only solidify things as they come up mm-hmm. in the sessions. Yeah. Do you have anything on like a timer where you're like, oh, well, you know, the group has been in Ursiame for X number of days. Somebody's trying to accomplish this thing. Um, there's nothing really getting in the way of it. So I'm just going to give it to them. Nothing explicitly just yet. I've had I, I've thought about that for for a couple of things um it's mainly when you guys do a particular task like if you go if you went to um uh i want to say the the polo um the the city of panipola where the uh zethra group is Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. they're um, mining or somehow manufacturing hydroditrite stuff would have happened on orsiame uh but since you guys chose to stay and go to Jade instead, that means stuff is happening over there. It's more of a, you ch- you chose to do this thing. So what happened in the meantime? I haven't necessarily said, okay, there's a countdown happening now. And if they don't do anything within 30 days, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I try and keep it more in line with how the arcs are going. Cool. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, we have a couple more from Tentative Tony Lover. Actually, a, a couple of them have already been a- a- answered. Like, uh, how come Arcus is able to remember the Flesh Beast? Um, we, we went over that, I think, a little after uh, they sent in this one. But Arcus mm-hmm. explained that... Uh, he got he, steel in his head. Yeah, he basically stepped on a mine, which is what caused him to lose the, the lower legs of his... The lower, lower legs, half, lower legs, lower legs, legs of, of his, his feet. Half yeah. of his legs, the lower legs of his feet. Hmm. Um, Terrifying. As well as one of his arms and said he was brought back by a biocyon, but he was hopped up on a lot of uh, drugs at the time. You know, as shock troopers all nice. do. Yeah, drugs. So a bit of what 
Jordan Donahue suggested Hans Gerson did with those patients yep. as part of the clipping procedure. Mm-hmm. Not to be a nudge, but can we get these on Spotify? We are on Spotify now. <laughs> yeah, we're we're on. I think also Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. For for the longest time, we were just sending. Um, we're just doing YouTube videos because that was free. But then. I wanted to do more. So we're on Spotify now. Wherever um, podcasts are sold. Yeah. Uh, we're hosted specifically on Podbean. So if you have that app as well, like you could subscribe directly to us and I can see that in our feed. Um, and not a question, but do appreciate the binary rep. Yeah. Shout out to Philip for the, <laughs> the binary rep. And I guess the torques are technically non-binary, but I tend to switch between he and they. Hmm. I don't think hmm. they really care too much. They are that's very much up they're to you, little yeah. they're little crystal gremlins. Um I'm pretty Same. sure I'm pretty sure Glenk made it made a dick joke at one point. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, those like, are like, not binary. They're yeah. not <laughs> so that, that was all from Tentative Tony Lover 37. Thank you, Tentative Tony Lover 37. Thank you. <laughs> we definitely love you. So uh the next one we've got is from uh our friend Peter who we know and love. We also know and love Tentative Tony Lover as well. Um, But we know and love Peter as well. Uh, (laughs) That does not diminish our love for our friend Peter. uh, Get out of here, Tentative Tony Lover. Try and replace our love for Peter. It won't happen. And uh, Peter actually uh, has a question for each one of us and then for everyone. It's like Christmas. Yeah, it's for Christmas. So for for, for Micah, who is the person you called babe? I emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Freya. That is a, a member of uh, my group uh, on Orisiame. And I'm going to go remind myself what kind of psychic she Freya is. Freya Winter. She is a telepath. Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. Right. Because of that, the thing. Yeah. Freya Winter. Um, we are in a. <laughs> you good? Freya Winter. I love. Freya Winter and Vaughn McRaven so much. They're just such evocative names. <laughs> Thank you. I had fun with the names for the group. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Freya and Micah are in a casual, open relationship. But yeah, they they like to have fun. Yeah. I guess there's that, all, that's all that, 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 that really that's sort of it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's babe. Yeah. Uh, for Nona, what is the most confusing human thing so far? Oh, that is actually a great question and one I'm hoping to explore relatively soon. I don't get families. There's something really weird going on here with families, which is that I was under the impression that people were supposed to like members of their family, which mostly aligned with what happened when I discovered I had a sister. And so, like, that all made sense. But now, like, we're in a position where Nona is aware that Alex's father's, like, in the hospital, maybe dying, uncertain, but not doing great. And Alex does not particularly seem to care. And then also Dorian Gray is in a position of, like, yeah, my sister died. And that was just kind of it about that. (laughs) So, like, really, like, what is sort of the norm here are there rules surrounding family are you supposed to like them or not i'm very confused (laughs) Mm -hmm. do you think nona was was would lean towards you're supposed to like your family but i need to figure out why these people seem to not care about them as much to better understand the concept 
or is it just like now I don't know what the hell you're supposed to feel about them. I think it's more the I think it's more the latter one. It's Nona has a tendency to assume whether she kind of consciously consciously realizes it or not that the people she's hanging out with generally know what they're doing and are doing it right and she's kind of the only one really capable of doing things wrong. Mm. So like a lot of the time she's like, "Ah, yes, this is what good competent people do." <laughs> and like that's gotten us into some positions, but I, I kind of like playing it that way, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like that that thing where you assume your parents are always right. I'm anticipating eventually there will be a day where it's like, wait a minute, you guys are bad. At <laughs> but we have not reached there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I also get the impression that if you were to pop that question to the Phoenix crew of like, how do families work? Tell me it would not help. you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I'm going to anyway. Yeah, I think. Claire would be the only one that would have good feelings about her family, but her family's no longer around. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> Where'd they go, Jeff? They're dead. I, I'm on fire. I guess you don't necessarily know about her father. That was never really explicitly that's said. That's true. We did not see the horrible corpse of her father, <laughs> as far as we know. She's, she's never really talked about her father to you guys, no. I don't think. So. We're not going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> that's her. That's... That's that seems, her that seems very We're much on brand for you guys. All of our feelings right here. You got to take him to the grave. <laughs> that <Bye>. early <laughs> coming grave. <laughs> Any day now. Maybe next episode. <laughs> All right. So um, for Alex, from my perspective, it seems like you're sane with the group because of Claire. Where would you go if she wanted to leave? Oh, that's, that's cool. Um, Alex is staying with the group because because well for, for reasons um <laughs> the main the main reason being that he likes he needs to keep moving like there's a part of him that's just like i i it's it's really nice to have a ship it's nice to go from place to place um part of that was because he was worried that his family or you know somebody was chasing after him so yeah going back to a little bit of what no one actually knows. Alex comes from a Cassian military family. He, uh, he was enlisted for a little bit. Um, ended up on uh, the planet. Orsiame? No, no, no. Uh, oh. The G planet. Oh, yes. And it ended uh, up on Je- Gal. Oh, yes, um, Gal, yes. Where a, a workers' uprising happened where Alex was uh, went missing in action. And he was hoping that he was presumed dead. Um, but he was not presumed dead apparently but is missing so he was he was on the run to kind of stay away from everything because he wasn't very happy with his family um so the phoenix crew provides a really easy way for alex to get around and away from places because he feels like if he stays in one place for too long he's gonna somebody somebody's gonna find them and he's gonna be forced back to his to his last life mm-hmm. um so he doesn't stay necessarily for claire um he he likes Claire a lot and and he you know feels responsible for Claire's safety so that's been part of the reason why he's why he's been around and if Claire was gone and you know she she almost was Alex thought that Nat Natalia had taken Claire away at some point when you know Alex sent Claire away mm-hmm. um and his first instinct was to just keep moving and he could go back to to the freelancers um 
because that was one of the last places that he like actually felt safe. You know, mm-hmm. he had a place, he had like a bed that he could sleep in and and everything there. And yeah, there were robots coming up from the basement, but they weren't that hard. They were like doing okay. And now <laughs> um, we're friends with them. And now we're friends oh, with them. Cool. So yeah. so like that's that's probably what he would do if if um if the ship was off the table and he couldn't keep traveling around, he'd probably go back to the Paragon. Mm-hmm. Um, the Paragon Freelancer. Yeah. All right. That's a lot of neat insight that I, I was not even aware of. Um, a, a follow-up on that, because I'm curious. What, what, are, what are... And I guess um, I was going to originally direct this just at Alex, but I'm actually curious what everyone else thinks. What are your feelings about your other PCs? <laughs> like Alex for... Uh, like, what do they... Th- what does he think about Micah and Nona and vice versa for everyone else? Like where is everyone at with everyone here? I feel like everyone has a, a at least a pretty consolidated view on Claire, like kind of need to take care of this person and we kind of like them. Maybe Nona a lesser extent <laughs> to you, but yeah. How about, how about we go around and, and do that? Cause I, I'd be interested to know like where everyone is in regards to the other PCs. Yeah. So I think, Micah is yeah, has gotten fond of the group kind of on its own merits over time as we've kind of traveled around. The biggest part of that could be, you know, we're definitely an effective unit. So while we're trying to do things together, it seems like we're pretty good at it. I'd say, yeah, she she cares for people individually. Obviously, it can be kind of tricky when folks are at arm's length. That's just kind of how all of us are <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's that's pretty much it. She'd like to probably grow a little bit tighter with folks, but is also not great at reaching out because she's very respectful of people's personal space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah, uh, how about Nona? Yeah, so uh, I think Nona, for the most part, kind of divides people up into two kind of categories, roughly, like people who can do protecting and people who need protecting. And I think Micah is solidly in the can do protecting um, column there. Claire's kind of both, I guess, with a little bit of more emphasis on the needs, needs to be protected. But every once in a while, she does cool, weird shit that like is probably worth it. And no idea what's going on with Alex. Gotta be completely honest there. But like, you know, I think I think to to some extent also like Nona likes being a part of a group. Nona likes caring for people, but doesn't quite realize she's doing it in a little bit of a conscious way. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of I, I've said this to people before off the air, but there's a lot of sort of that gruff dad stereotype of like, you know, never in your life would hug you, but like you always make sure you're in like good solid clothes and like roof mm. over your head enough to eat. Nona is very much like this person is eating. This person is taking care of their things. You know, Alex was like, I don't have a medical kit anymore. It's broken. And I'm like, okay, well then we'll go get you one of those. Right. And so think things like that. There's a lot of what can we purchase to enable the group to be better, but not really at the point of like, emotional maturity to be able to bond in that way because we're very new at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Alex, um, and like high level, how does he think about the group? I think we started off as work acquaintances. We were signed on to the same job under contract. We broke the contract. So, you know, that went on. And Alex, probably 
the best analogy I can make is people on a train that Alex cannot get off of. It's a, it's a little snow piercer, a little like, you know, okay. murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> uh, people that he is is kind of bonding with and feels more strongly about kind of approaching friends. But Alex has mental blocks that make it difficult for him to like make actual or or admit to himself that he's friends with people because that means that these people are important to him and things that are important to Alex have not had a good survival rate. That's just really how Alex is telling himself to feel about things. Um, realistically, these people are like important to Alex. They're his friends um, and he'd be crushed if anything happened to anybody on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I could obviously speak a little bit to um, Claire's state of mind where this is almost a surrogate family for her. She lost her mom and theoretically her father, since she hasn't really talked about him too much, uh, a while ago. And she was with the Children of Silence for quite a while before you guys came into the picture. And considering that she is a telepath, she understands that your intentions are pretty pure. And so just like latching on to that first secure, protective family that she has had in a very long time. So, and that, that's one of the reasons why she doesn't really want to, to try and find maybe other people that she knew on Orisiyama. She just kind of wants to leave that all behind her and just stick with you guys as much as she possibly can because she's just kind of like latched on to you. Whether that is a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing is is left to be, you know, imagination. Question for you. <laughs> yeah, How or for does Claire. She, yeah, well, for about Claire. How does Claire feel about Nona? Because I feel like we, like a little bit on purpose, haven't really done any kind of bonding time, and Nona's weird. Yeah, no, it, I Claire um, has obviously uh, had different sort of bonding sessions, both with Micah and with Alex. And she understands that Nona also is a part of this group. She just inherently, because she is so used to being able to quickly read someone's surface level thoughts, like that is almost very much a defensive mechanism for her. And when something, when she's faced with a person that she can't immediately read, she kind of retreats into herself so I don't know. It, it, it's she isn't necessarily keeping an eye on Nona because she is like suspicious of mm -hmm. you, but she just doesn't really know how to connect because she doesn't see that opening that she sees with other people. Um, and so she doesn't really know how to approach that. And so she just kind of leaves it. And I think Nona also just kind of leaves it as yeah. well as Nona isn't quite versed in bonding either. So it, it, I think you, the two of you just sort of exist in proximity to one another and just have a a very neutral <laughs> feeling between. Um, but I, I, I do think that um, as things go on, she might try and soften up a little bit more, but she very much does have these defenses that she sometimes needs to bring down. Cool. Um, so the next one is is for me. So I'm asking a question to myself. Uh, well, Peter's asking a question to me, but I through the Peter's, conduit of Jeff. <laughs> through the conduit of me. Uh, for Jeff, can we hear some backstory on your favorite NPC? Oh, 
I have a lot of NPCs that I really like that I would love to share the backstories, but they would almost definitely be spoilers for the campaign. Will you pick a favorite child for us anyways? <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe don't. Yeah, just maybe tell, don't us, share spoilers. tell us who's, your favorite. Who's your favorite, Jeff? Rank them. Oh. <laughs> don't say Zip or I will end you. <laughs> I, do re- I like Zip, but not for the fact that he exists. I just like being able to be this unhinged crystal gremlin <laughs> that is just an insane person tell you what jeff it doesn't have to just be in the podcast (laughs) you can make that your goal put that on your vision board don't let your dreams be dreams unhinged crystal gremlin um i have to say i really like dorian gray i can't explain anything about her um because spoilers how do you feel about jordan donahue Unrelated uh, question. Unrelated. <laughs> question? I, unrelated. I hate him. <laughs> I think Jordan Donahue is also an interesting character as well. Dorian Gray uh, is has has a lot of depth to her um, and quite an extensive how she got here today. Um, and obviously she is this kind of mysterious figure, so... That the mystery kind of adds to that. I also just um, a, a a blast from the past. I really like Atlas. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys remember, <laughs> when he got drunk, he yeah. sounded like Cookie. <laughs> he Monster. did sound like Cookie Monster. <laughs> um, this this probably I think I've I um, I alluded to this, but I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, and I, I think you guys can easily. Um, forget about it and oh i will oh don't worry (laughs) um, got you covered rodana and atlas are from the same clan ah cool yeah because they're both pandas right yeah uh atlas Atlas is actually a polar bear uh oh okay yeah um they they were related at one point but for one reason or another atlas uh is no is clanless similar to arcus i feel bad that alex didn't pick up on that we're gonna bring our uh, yeah i think she mentioned offhandedly that she was down on gal visiting a cousin so alex didn't didn't pursue that at all because he's also been on gal but yeah like let's Um, not find commonalities i I like (laughs) i like atlas i like his one little uh because he he has uh, he's missing an ear and that's replaced mm-hmm. by like a metal plate and one of his eyes is replaced with uh, a bionic eye, um, as he alluded to uh, Alex um, saving him when an entire mine shaft fell on his head. I'm laughing. <laughs> that is a horrific <laughs> injury. But uh, he yep. he he's just I, I like the the big burly um, like the, the with the hearty laugh kind of kind of characters so atlas was was one of my firsts in this particular campaign so he has a special place in my heart as well all right philip you're gonna have to help me out on this next one okay um because i don't understand what the hell it means and uh it's in spanish (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for everyone please align yourselves to gaslight gatekeep and girl boss all right gaslight what is what does that mean alex is gaslight 100 uh, i'm pretty please sure i'm explain girl to boss. me what's going on i know what it's, all of those words mean independently i didn't realize did, they were in alignment did neither chart. of you know this meme no i know i guess oh. i don't know this meme gaslight gatekeep girl boss yeah, yeah. What why, is that? Why not and it's all just of like uh <laughs> <laughs> what else can i say like I have trouble explaining. It's just like uh, these w- words got smushed together as I guess like a joke on 
like uh, like feminist stereotypes or something. I don't know. It's like it's it's an alignment shirt that you'll use for <laughs> characters. Okay. All right. So Align yeah, Alex, Alex is definitely gaslight. Alex, Alex is 100% gaslight. 100%. Alex is like, um, let me divert your attention. Um, no, I've never been on Gal. What I don't know how <laughs> guns work. Like, what are you talking about? That's that's gaslight. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, that's Alex. Yeah. Um, I'm going to claim girl boss for myself. I'm just kind of, you know, in, in charge, uh, not, not taking shit from people. <laughs> Micah. I guess that leaves gatekeep. That kind of leaves you with gate- I guess. I guess. I don't really know if that. <laughs> you're like fits reverse well. gatekeep almost. Cause like, you, <laughs> like well, you're, you're trying to get in the gate. You're trying to get in the gate. I'm on the other side. They're like, please, <laughs> please don't keep this gate from me. Man, that's the that's the ultimate form of gatekeep is not even letting yourself in. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you gatekept yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I don't think there's a really good good one in there for Nona just because she's very much not uh she did she did definitely have that one uh oh moment I'm a woman and just because I'm a woman means I need uh (laughs) to be healed yeah but that was mostly just out of desperation for no one finding out that I'm a robot yeah no it's it's completely understandable yeah and I I remember Nona's like that worked a little too well. Perhaps <laughs> I shall save that more? for later. <laughs> and then and we were like, no, like, maybe don't do that no. unless you really need to. I have it in my notes. It says only use the woman card in case of emergencies because <laughs> this is what I was told. You got to keep that weapon sharp. <laughs> I like to imagine just one of these days, like, you know, we're going to be under threat of like swords or something. Oh, just so because I'm a woman, you think you can stab me or something just in a very inappropriate <laughs> context. Where It'll probably and throw the off the river. And you're like, what? <laughs> My no. That's when I run. <laughs> Does have the unstoppable exodi. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was all the, uh, the questions from Peter. Um, and uh, the next one that sent in questions is Tom. I don't know if any of us know Tom, but thank you, Tom, Hi, for sending Tom. in questions. Thank you. We, we love you, too. You. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. People are actually listening to this thing other than our friends and family, That's which is true. always fun. We have three whole people. We can prove it. <laughs> at, 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 we, we, we can guarantee at least three. Um <laughs> So uh, Tom's first question uh, is for the DM. He actually has two uh, for the DM and then two for the players. So I'll I'll go back and forth between them. Um, What is your inspiration for creatures? What kind of stack blocks do you use? There's been some weird and wonderful bad guys on the podcast. Well, that makes me feel very, very good. So the stat blocks uh, tend to be at the very least derived from the Stars Without Number uh, stat blocks. So Stars Without Number isn't like uh, D&D where it has just a bunch of like a whole monster Manuel. Of <laughs> <laughs> He's my cousin. They call him Monster Manuel. Monster Manuel. <laughs> uh, monster Manual of like all of these different types of things and these different abilities. It's very much like if you were to come across like a veteran fighter, these are kind of the stats you would expect to see. Stars Without Number is very much of the opinion that you try and you don't necessarily try and shape scenarios to the character's level to make sure that you give them an even fight. You try and shape the um, the encounters to what would make sense for the universe. So I wouldn't necessarily like if you guys wanted to take on a, an entire military complex, 
there wouldn't just be two guards because that's all you could handle. There would be a lot more things. And you guys have generally been pretty conflict avoidant, which allows you to try and pick and choose your your, your fights. Um, so a lot of the, the stat plots that I use are uh, derived from that, that list of things. Um, and oftentimes I'll, I'll maybe bump something up if I feel like, oh, this thing's slower and beefier so it'd have more hit points but maybe be easier to hit because it doesn't it's not as quick um and the inspiration for my creatures i try really hard to avoid doing something that has been done before i think one of the really cool things about monsters is uh when you describe them that first moment of someone first interacting with a monster that you've created they're like what the fuck is that thing? And what the fuck does that thing do? It's not like I'm putting an owl bear in front of you or something along those lines. You're like, oh, okay. I'm vaguely familiar with this because I'm vaguely familiar with D&D. I want to put something just weird as, as hell in front of you guys. So when you see it, you're like, I have no idea what this thing is capable of. And that's terrifying. And I find that interesting. So uh, I oftentimes, when I'm building these different things, I am absolutely referencing a bunch of different media when I do it. Um, for example, the the hulking gorilla, the hulking guardian, is is it's gluttony. It's gluttony from uh, Full Metal Full Metal Alchemist. Full, Full Metal, Metal Alchemist. Um, and obviously, I added some things to make it a little bit different, but it has that that chest cavity that gluttony does. Gluttony in Full Metal Alchemist doesn't have the tentacles within that chest cavity. Um, but I feel that was, that was a nice little touch. Um, so yeah, I, I try and, I try and put to, I, I oftentimes mash together a bunch of different things, um, to try and make them as scary, but also interesting as possible because that's what monsters should be. They should add interesting things to the combat while at the same time being utterly terrifying. We need to do a session where we, uh, collect like a hundred creatures and monsters and stuff like that. And anytime we're having an encounter, Jeff will just roll two twice on that table and combine the two things. Yeah. So it'll be like mm. a duck, the smoke monster from Lost. Um, <laughs> smoke duck. That's the big man. And a pair of Doc Martens. <laughs> How can you wear them though? I love this monster. <laughs> I would die for this monster. Gaslight. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that that pretty much covers things for um, creatures. So we, we can hop to one of his players' questions. What has been your biggest what if? Is there a scenario or character interaction or even a specific role that you would feel would have changed the plot in a big way if it was done differently? Oh, yeah. The one that jumps out is um, what if Natalia had noticed Alex mm. just like on, in the tunnel? Um, that would have been that would have been big for Alex and like, you know, so having somebody else in the Kane family, like 100 percent sure that Alex is like about and know his whereabouts. That probably would have changed up a, a fair amount of stuff. Alex would have wanted to get off Orisiyama. Oh, yeah. Way. I mean, Alex, Alex, if he was even able to get away from Nat mm -hmm. and the two guards she had with her, yeah, it would have been probably in a bad way for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not exactly a a different role or something that could have happened, but uh, in an alternate universe where 
all of us were able to remember the flesh beasts or like the those those monsters i feel like our obviously our conversations about it could have gone very differently mm-hmm. but i think we might might be on a different trajectory if it wasn't kind of like just like nona and dorian gray are the ones who know what's going on mm-hmm. yeah. that can be fixed <laughs> it can we with have drugs. The technology with time travel drugs. <laughs> yes, let's do time travel. No, absolutely not. We're not doing time travel. Aww, but Jeff. No, uh, unless it's a, we can't do a closed time loop, and that's the only way to like cleanly do time yeah. travel. Uh, because what if you, you guys can't died? If you're not a coward. <laughs> anyway, no, no. What, 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 what were you? What I were you I don't honestly know. I think that there's like a couple of different big places stuff could have pivoted. I think that. Um, I've thought about Nona potentially leaving a few times, mm. um, which stuff hasn't hasn't quite come up or sort of worked out that way. I think that would have changed the dynamic a lot. I was considering having her um, after she realized she had gotten so sidetracked by get the ship back, do the things that she had completely missed that the place that they were staying was literally named after the person that they were looking for. That was kind of a big moment and I didn't really take it anywhere. Mm. Um, So that's not really a dice roll, but I feel like something different could have gone on there. She could have been like, I I, I, should be doing this. Why am I I messing around with this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that that a little bit of the intention was to be like, okay, we'll do this one thing and then we'll get right back to it. But we've been in this one thing for a while. You're gonna owe me so much after yeah. this. <laughs> Thanks, no, no. My my plot. Uh, Tom's next question for DM: How fleshed out is the sector? Do you plan week by week, or is it all pre-written? Um, the sector is completely uh, built. So there is some really useful tools and stars without number for generating just a, a ton of content because it's really meant to be more of a, a sandbox than we've been playing it. Obviously, I, I like having my plot hooks in my campaign. Um, so we've been doing a little bit more of things be story driven rather than, well, you guys have a ship. And you guys have uh, money. Uh, go do stuff. Um, so I use a really useful tool on the internet called Sectors Without Number that just generates all of this for us. Um, let me see. So you guys have visited uh, two sectors. Sorry, two systems right. in the <laughs> sector map. You've visited Metanar and Magalka. Um, there is, I'm looking currently at an 8 by 10 map. So around 80 different systems, um, and you guys have visited two of them. Yeah. Uh, a, a good, I would say about half of them are completely empty. There's mm. nothing in them. That's how space works. That you know of. Yeah. Um, but there That's is... That's where all the really good parties are. As I've explained, I, I, we haven't explained, explained this in a long time, but the the few systems that you guys are currently in is called the Tigerhead Cluster. It's a cluster of systems that doesn't really have any strong or singular governing body. It's a bit of the uh, the the what I call it, um, just the the not the Midwest, the the West, the, like the a Wild West, the Wild West. Thank you. Um, where these different planets and systems talk to one another, but there really isn't like an integrated. Uh, 
you came from this planet, so I have all of this, your, your identification here. It's very easy to fake that identification between these different planets because they're not really talking. Um, Cass is trying to be more and more like the central governing body and is trying to reach its influence out into other sectors, uh, systems around the uh, this cluster. But the, the Tigerhead cluster is like five or six different systems. And there are... I want to say one, two, three, four. There, there are four other clusters that all have their own problems and things happening along with them. I'm not necessarily drawing them out and saying like this is what this is happening because it's so far away. We don't even need to worry about it. So um, the whole, the entire sector is theoretically generated, but I do very much only am focusing on the Tigerhead cluster because that's really where things are happening right now. I think that covers everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 how flesh out the sector do you plan week by week or is all pre-written? Yeah, I, I definitely plan week by week. I, I have not. I, I, I try and plan out the broad strokes of an arc ahead of time, but then I flesh it out um, as the sessions come up and maybe I'm a session or two ahead of you guys, um, such that if you guys take a much different route than I was expecting, I don't have to throw everything in the trash. Because <laughs> I'm sure that the other DMs at this table understand that feel. Um, and the last question from Tom for players. Oh, this is a great one to, to end on. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> what are your theories on what's going on? It's always interesting to hear where things are in the current moment and how they change in the future. There's not a ton of information about the insert names here. Um, the, the flesh beast, the, yeah. all, and yada, yada, all of those guys. So, Yeah. Your angel bro. I'm going to call him Gabe. Gabe. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Do you guys have just wild theories about what might be going on with that faction? With uh, There was that mention uh, Tony uh, had sessions ago where he's like, Claire has multiple strands of metadimensional energy within her. and some, And he says, it seems a lot like what I have. And she's got these powers from literally matrilinearly at least mm-hmm. um like she inherited from her mother when she passed and that's not necessarily how something works so obviously those are story beats and um homebrew specifically by me and not written within the rules so what do you guys think what's going on just throw out your random ass theories i'd love to hear them i don't know i i can't say that i spend a lot of time trying to decipher your story, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just not the way I enjoy playing through through things. I think, you know, I try to very much interact with the world in character. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, I think it's, it's one of those things that my quick stab out into the dark is that the angels... And whatever plane or whatever you want to call it that they're from is pretty much like the source of of psychic energies. And that might just be my own. Um, I, I run a D&D campaign that's on a podcast. It's just me and a couple of friends um, doing that. And I've been thinking a lot about like magic and what magic is in D&D and like where the energy actually comes from and stuff like that. Um, so I feel like there might be something there like. Yeah, that those are beings of like metadimensional energy that made like psychics and all of that. Um, and there's some research going into like those those beings 
um, to make better psychics, pretty much. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I was thinking that with the, we should maybe in character or out come up with a name for the group of angel and flesh beast and it's gorilla not worth and it until y'all can remember that's them. true the, the co- <laughs> those <laughs> things the not bears i like thinking of them as the cookies because that's <laughs> that's the closest word that i can get to a static sound without feeling dumb doing it a cookie <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, my best guess is that yeah, the cookies are like yeah, you know, failed experiments that the the evil overlord genetically modified uh, folks were doing on psychics, and that I guess maybe the whole like Claire Tony um, descendancy thing could be them trying to like splice psychic powers into their like genetics stuff that they're doing to be even more powerful, mm. um, and that yeah, they like messed around with experiments and that's how we get our flesh beasties flesh bestie mm. <laughs> Kirsten, you've, you've been giving me so many theories you love throwing out theories. i i do enjoy throwing out theories uh, yeah i mean definitely so our characters don't know it but these things are clearly the reoccurring bad guys here i think that there's a thing going on or we're gonna run into them again what i think very much a lot of it is tied into so we know that they were having this war happen and they were sort of encouraging this war to continue. And what happens when you have a war going on for a long time? Oh, well, you make weird weapons, right? And so I'm totally in agreement that the weird psychic things going on with Claire, with Tony, with all this other stuff is tied to that. And I think that's sort of the, the goal at the very least. We know that they're tied in with, psychics Mm -hmm. um one of the things that's sort of on my mind that's interesting is like the whole there's a cult of people kind of following them right the the uh the acolytes acolytes of of the the end end Mm -hmm. yeah are are following them but like in doing so like part of the worship of them is to torture yourself so you can actually see them but also the seeing them seems to be a like defensive thing that they don't really want So I'm interested to see a little bit more sort of what's going on there. Like, are they actually in communication with this group and talking to them? And is this group sort of like carrying out their wishes or is this group a bunch of like just really weird dudes who saw one once and like built up this religion around it and like don't actually have any connection? Because I could see that going either way. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I think that they're they've got the whole tugging on strings trying to make psychic stuff happen more. What do you think's happening, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I I don't I know. I what does Claire think? What does Claire think? Oh, what does Claire think? <laughs> no, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I um I uh, can neither confirm nor deny any of the theories that have been said here today. I, uh, I remember Kirsten, you you had you you uh, you called your shot around the number of um, these things that exist. What was that number oh, again? Oh, yeah, seven. Seven. Like, just, just any particular dude, reason you why made seven? one that's an angel and it showed up and it said, be not afraid. Like, biblical <laughs> references here. There's definitely, so there's holy numbers, which are roughly usually one, three, seven, and 40. 
There could be 40 of them. That's a lot. There could be only three of them, but then we've seen them all and that doesn't feel right either. So we're looking for like a good middle-ish number of things vaguely tied to the Bible probably because people like doing that even when their sources aren't, you know, necessarily directly pulling or referencing from the Bible angels cough, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think there's, I think there's seven of them because seven is a very good number of, for a group to have. You'd also do, I guess, a kingdom hearts and go like a whole organization 13 thing, but that feels like too many to keep track of. Also, Jeff did just say that one of them is gluttony from full metal alchemist, seven That's deadly true. sins. Seven Seven's a good number. Sins. Yeah. Yeah. The secret, though, is that all of them are still Xehanort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're all the uh, same genetically a, modified overlord from the past travel, and the future. A timely Kingdom Hearts reference. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Uh, that was that was all the, the questions from Tom. Thank you, Tom. And now we just got some questions from me. Um, Our favorite listener, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he listens I, to it more than anyone I else. I listen to every true. single one of these episodes what? when I'm editing. So, assuming all goes well at the end of Westfell, what is each character's short-term goals? What's a Westfell? It's the island we're on. Island. Uh, oh, Lost Island, right? Westfell yeah. Isle, I think, actually. Left Evil Island. Okay. Or your long-term goals? Um, because I feel like they may have changed a little bit since the beginning of the story. <laughs> Except for Nona. Except for Nona. Nona has very specifically. <laughs> Maybe. Alex's short-term goal is to get off of Ursyame, um, and to keep moving. I think that he wants to know how Hunter is doing. At the very least, he wants to know if Hunter dies. He wants that news, but part of him's like, you know, as long as they're in the sector or whatever, news will get get out there. Um and, and he's struggling a lot with wanting to go to the hospital and, like, seeing Hunter and doing all of that. Um, and at the same time, being absolutely terrified of getting anywhere near him. But, so, yeah, I think his short-term goal, if it was, like, let's leave tomorrow and there was no big, like, you know, story-altering thing that we find out, he's leaving. He's getting out of there. Mm -hmm. um, and long-term, he wants to find the place to, like, where he feels like he will be safe. And he wants to, you know, start his own life in full control of himself away from it all. Cool. And yeah, he's scared of never getting there. Mm -hmm. That's understandable. Micah? Um, yeah, Micah, I guess, sort of has three priorities with sort of a strict hierarchy going on. So first of all, kind of doing everything that needs to be done to get Vaughn free eventually, but that's still a matter of like some months away, um, as we understand it. Early second to that would like to, you know, pursue what her original mission was as far as investigating the Zethra group and possibly being able to like help out in the civil war in that way. Mm. Um, with, uh, if neither of those has a clear direction to go, or, uh, if it, it would be kind of too taxing, she definitely wants to help out the other crewmates with stuff they want to do. Like Micah's very interested in learning more about Nona too. So like, she's totally on board in the meantime, while we're still waiting to try and rescue Vaughn to try and hunt down those sites that she's been talking about and that kind of thing. 
All right, cool. How about Nona? Yeah, I um, so I've got a lot of short-term goals. A decent amount of them involve building things or creating stuff. Um, I think it, it's interesting because part of the problem is is like definitely we we have a we have a place to go now. I've got a really long list of places, and a sane person would look at that list and say that's too long. You're never going to make it through all of those. Nona is not sane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I get that. And so there's a lot, like, literally when she joined this group, she was slowly working jobs in order to build up enough money to purchase a ship, which would have taken probably years upon years upon years because ships are very expensive. Yeah, ships are very expensive. And so she doesn't really have a good sense of, like, this is going to take it too long of a time. Let's not do it. Because as like far as she's concerned, like you just keep walking in a straight line and then eventually you get where you're going. Mm-hmm. So short term plan would love to go check out basically all of the all of the different properties and holdings of Dr. Calvin on this particular planet. Um, Long term goal, as always, is not dying. And now that's got two different flavors under it. One is getting the the missing component that Dr. Calvin sort of alluded to her not having mm-hmm. um, because she's got this sort of hope that like she gets that and then being a person will kind of make sense. Yeah. Um, Because it doesn't so far. And clearly that's that's known as fault for being incomplete, you understand. Right. Not that people are dumb and weird. <laughs> um, and then also avoiding and or killing Deacon because he exists and we're pretty convinced he tried to set her on fire, which is just not okay. You don't do that to that's, people. That's not a nice thing to do. Nope. Although Nona has done that to people. Not to people. To people to, in things. To bears. <laughs> to dead bears. That's Those fair. are people. <laughs> That's fair. To be fair, they started it. That's, well, their boss started it, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Kidnapped our space child. Neither here nor bear. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and on that <laughs> illustrious note. We- uh, the name of the episode. <laughs> Metamental Talks episode two. Neither here nor bear. Coming to theaters near you. An Ursum named Barry yet. I would just like to point out. No, you're saving that one, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, saving that one for uh, for a reoccurring character. Absolutely, oh, it's not going to be a throwaway bear. Um, <laughs> not your average bear. More important than your average bear. <laughs> I'm certain we'll hate him too. Yeah, he'll have a friend named Yogi. Oh dear. Hey. Um, yeah. Well, those were um, all of the questions that that I had prepared. So, prepared. Unless anyone else has any other questions or burning questions that they would like to ask before we Nothing sign off. Burning. I've got some, but I'll probably just sit on those till the next one. All right. Well, then, I guess we will see everyone else in the next episode. Bye, guys. Woo. Bye. How do we sign off on these? Did, I don't did know. we do a thing? I, no, we just no. talk about things. And- <laughs>
do we run the outro on this? Out. We do run the outro. Oh, okay, yeah. so we can just yeah. We also run the intro on this as well. All right, so Jeff, I need you to explain what is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, All right. where does this go? <laughs> I don't remember what we did on the first one. It's been a long time.